G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. It's Tuesday. Always love our opportunity on a Tuesday to check in with Ron Ross, who's been scouring the headlines overnight to bring us a breaking news update on issues as they come out of Israel and the Middle East. Ron, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you. Ron, let's start with the fact that we're all still reeling a little from what's gone on in Christchurch, that mass shooting at a mosque last Friday. And, of course, it has gripped global headlines and world leaders have chimed in uh, with their own thoughts on what's happened in Christchurch. And now Jewish groups around the world are expressing solidarity with the Muslims after the Christchurch attack. What's the story? Yeah, the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, Chairman Arthur Stack and Executive Vice Chairman and CEO Malcolm Hinlein, said we are outraged by the horrific attacks in the mosques in New Zealand. We extend our condolences to those who have lost loved ones and wish a speedy recovery to those who were wounded. Such outrages cannot be tolerated in any civil society. We hope that those who are responsible and those who aided and abetted them will be brought to justice. All people of goodwill must join in condemning this barbaric act. American Jewish Committee CEO David Harris said racist individuals imbued with pure hatred of Muslims have attacked normally peaceful New Zealand. Our hearts go out to the families of the victims today, unspeakable crime of mass murder. Harris added, we say as loudly as we can, we stand against hate and xenophobia. We stand against racism. We stand against terrorism. We stand for mutual understanding. We stand for mutual respect. We stand for pluralism. We stand for coexistence and outreach. We in the United States have witnessed terrific attacks on houses of worship, including churches, mosques, and synagogues, he said. No one is fully protected from violent hate mongers. We are truly saddened that this same hatred has emerged so violently in New Zealand. The answer must be unity, solidarity, and linked arms against evil. Rabbi Marvin Heyer and Abraham Cooper, the Dean and Associate Dean of the Simon Weisenthal Center, said, an attack on any house of worship, whether a church in France or the USA, synagogues in Jerusalem or Pittsburgh, or this horrific mass murder in two mosques in Christchurch is an assault on human dignity and our rights as people of faith to pray. Ron, let's just, if you're able to, just pause and reflect for just a moment because it's very humbling to hear those sorts of words coming from Jewish communities who are very often on the receiving end of levels of persecution from Muslim communities, and yet they're able to take this humble approach, which is not filled with revenge, 
And that, I guess, comes from their, what we talk about, the Judeo part of our own heritage, this Jewish scriptures about forgiveness for your enemies. What are your thoughts? Have you got a moment to just reflect on that? Because it's quite significant that those Jewish groups are in solidarity with the Muslims. Rabbi Riskin explained it to me when I lived in Jerusalem, that in the book of Genesis it says that all peoples are created in the image of God. And therefore we had situations where my wife and I met uh, Air Force pilots who wouldn't fire their weapons on innocent victims because those people were made in the image of God. We had one pilot who was sent in to assassinate Yasser Arafat and he saw a family walking down a hill and he changed his target and missed Arafat, hit the building instead. And in his report to the CEO, the officer in charge, he said there were innocent people there and I'm not a murderer. And so the whole basis of the uh, Israeli or the Judean outlook is that all peoples are made in the image of God and therefore there has to be a very real reason why innocent lives are taken. Well, good insights and uh, wonderful to reflect on something which is a real positive and certainly something that has substance when it comes to a call uh, to be able to express some level of solidarity with victims of such a horrendous crime. Uh, let's move on. Plenty of other headlines, Ron. Uh, the UN has created a confidential file of alleged Israeli war criminals for the International Criminal Court. Uh, what's the story here? The United Nations Commission of Inquiry on the Gaza border protests has created a confidential file of Israelis who it holds could be culpable of killing peaceful Palestinians and has asked that it be handed to the International Criminal Court. The Commission also called for the financial sanction and an arms embargo against Israel. It did so as part of a 252-page report which it submitted Monday to the UN Human Rights Council, which is wrapping up its 40th session this week in Geneva. The Commission stated that as part of its work, it placed in a dossier relevant information on those it deemed responsible for human rights violations that could be considered war crimes. It's interesting that uh, uh, they said we found reasonable grounds to believe that Israeli security forces committed serious violations. Uh, Israel and the USA did not speak at these uh, discussions, but, uh, the, but the officials issued tweets during the council meeting. Jason Greenblatt, the US special envoy to the Middle East, tweeted that the UN Human Rights Council would again attack Israel, but with no mention of the heinous crimes of Hamas and other terrorist groups in Gaza. He said, last week, militants in Gaza launched rockets into Tel Aviv, yet the UN has failed to pass even one resolution criticising them. And his sarcastic comment was, seriously? Well, let's, that leads into another headline, doesn't it? Because uh, those Hamas attacks, well, after the attacks this week, Egypt has warned Hamas that Israel will topple you and they're not likely to do too much. They're saying, we won't lift a finger to help. Uh, what are the Egyptians saying? Well, the reports out of the Middle East say that Egyptian officials were enraged when news breached them of rocket attacks over the Tel Aviv area from the Gaza Strip 
at the very moment they were acting as mediators to the conflict between Hamas and Israel. They said if Israel decides to start a wide-scale operation in Gaza, Egypt won't stop the Israeli attacks. Even if Israel ends your rule in Gaza by assassinating every single one of you and reconquering Gaza, Egypt and its allies won't lift a finger to stop the Israeli response, a senior Egyptian negotiator said. You're endangering our lives, he said. Gazan's blood is on your hands. The senior Egyptian official told Israel Hayem, an Israeli newspaper, what he had said at the meeting and that his delegation had been blindsided by news of the rocket attacks. Uh, Hamas seems to be running out of friends. Well, what it does show is that even the neighbours and those who might have come to some level of support uh, would recognise that uh, those attacks by Hamas on Israel are purely indefensible. Uh, Ron, let's look at another one of the headlines. Seems hard to believe it's this long, but the Syrian civil war has entered its ninth year and 370,000 people dead so far. How does this story look as we reflect on that? Yeah, it registered its ninth year on March the 15th. And while most observers agree it's finally winding down, fighting continues in some areas and the death toll has not registered its last sad entry. To mark the anniversary, the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights the London-based organisation that has monitored the fighting since it started in 2011 has updated the tally. Uh, to date, some 370,000 people have died, 112,000 of them were civilians, and 21,000 were children. Many of them were Christians. Three-fifths of the Syrian population has been certified as having a permanent disability, according to the United Nations. The number of Syrians who are displaced from their homes is staggering. The greatest upheaval since World War II sees half of the pre-war population. Almost 13 million have lost their homes. We really need to be praying into this situation. A staggering 6.2 million Syrians have lost their homes but remain in Syria, while another 5.6 million are refugees living in neighbouring countries. The observatory notes that more than 60,000 have died under torture and captivity by the Assad regime. Well, Ron, having met some refugee families out of Syria and heard their stories, and many of those just horrific, you know that those people have gone through so much, and yes, worthy of our prayers for peace and also support for those organisations, those particularly those ones that are supporting Christian believers within Syria who've gone through so much, endured so much. Let's end on a really bright note, I think, Ron, the Feast of Purim. It's going to be celebrated tomorrow and Thursday, celebrating two and a half thousand years after the biblical event described in the book of Esther and the tombs of Esther and Mordecai still standing in Iran. Yeah, the appropriate scripture is Esther 11 verse 3, which says, For Mordecai the Jew was second to King Ahasuerus, and was great among the Jews, and well received by the multitude of his brethren, seeking the good of his people and speaking peace to all his countrymen. The burial site of Purim heroes Mordecai and Esther 
stands proudly in the heart of Iran, proclaiming the Jews' biblical victory from within their most prominent modern enemy. For several reasons, the story of Purim is an anomaly in the Bible. It does not mention the name of God, and it's the only biblical account, apart from the book of Daniel, to play outside the borders of Israel. The story of the Jewish victory is based in ancient Persia, known today as Iran, the archenemy of modern-day Israel. Tucked away in a corner of Iran is a 500-year-old building purported to be the burial site of Mordecai and Esther, a previous structure believed to have been destroyed in the 14th century by Mongol invaders. The Iranian city of Hamadan, 200 miles west of Tehran, claims to be the biblical city of Shushan, the capital of ancient Persia, and the same for the story of Purim. And I can tell you, Israel goes crazy for the next two days. And that's like celebrations in the streets? I remember driving around the corner my first year in Jerusalem during Purim, and I came across a bunch of teenagers, and some had yellow hair, some had pink hair, some had purple hair, some had fluorescent hair, and they were wild all over the streets. And it's absolute chaos for the next two days. Well, the ancient history is very powerful in its message today. Ron Ross, always appreciate your great insights. Thanks so much for scouring the headlines and bringing this breaking news update to us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.